you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I am so glad to be back with you and to be, to, to be bringing this particular episode. I had an opportunity a little over a month ago. I went to a fantastic conference. Well, it's a conference. It's a trade show. It's a number of things. It's called CEO Space, and I have Mentioned it before on the show. In fact, if you go back through the archives, you'll find a show called This is the Space. Uh, And I did that with the Utah chapter presidents, Carol and Robert Pope. Uh, So so some of you will be familiar with CEO Space. But while I was there, I had an opportunity to become acquainted with and listen to and be taught by a number of mentors and I have had the good fortune of chasing one of those down today and coming to us from Tennessee today is my guest, Patrick Smythe. Say hello, Patrick. Hello, Dr. Paul. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I am thrilled to have you with me. I've okay. had I had an opportunity just this week, Patrick, to finish your book. And uh, Patrick's book is called Elephant Walk. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that during our discussion today. But Patrick, I want to to first kind of give our listeners an introduction to who you are and what you're all about. I already told them that I met you at CEO Space. And uh, you shared with a number of us there in one of the breakout sessions that you taught uh, a little bit about your own history and where you're coming from. I was wondering if you would just give our listeners... A synopsis of that. Great, I'd be glad to. Uh, as I shared with you there, I uh, I was born and raised in South Africa, and uh, I was I was pretty much uh, spent most of my time uh, in my childhood at a boarding school that was quite remote. I mean, in, in from from most what most Americans would experience, uh, they would recognize it as the African bush. There was really nothing around that school, and. Mm. Uh, so my entire childhood and upbringing was uh, one that was kind of driven by a sort of almost paramilitary-like boarding school environment. Uh, I mean, in fact, we, we didn't even wear shoes to school until we were 12. We used to play mm-hmm. rugby, you know, that's that football-like game where nobody wears pads. Right. Um, on, a, on a bare field, it wasn't grass, really, like we recognize grass in this country. Um, and... I learned a lot about survival in a less than friendly nurturing environment um, by 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 going through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went on from that to become uh, a guerrilla warfare specialist. Everyone uh, had to become a soldier in the South African Army. It was a conscripted army, mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of tuned my survival skills uh, even more 
um, during yeah. that. Um, and then uh, entered the corporate world and discovered that I had an aptitude for, initially I, I had an aptitude for computer programming, uh, which became a, a wonderful door opener for me uh, to make my way to America. At the time in the, in the 70s uh, and, and early 80s, um, computer programming skills were hard to find. And so it was very easy for me um, to uh, get an opportunity to come over here on a basically on a contract basis, and mm-hmm. um, I was able to make the most of that um, and found my way to AT&T, uh, where I was part of the team that launched computer networking technology into the world, uh, and I subsequently then uh, took over as a general manager of the Unix operating system division of AT&T and, and played an instrumental role in turning that around and making it a uh, pr- productive and positive thing. Uh, after that, I went to the West Coast to a company called Tandem Computers, where I was the vice president, uh, and um, I was became an expert in e-commerce technologies and, and how, how e-commerce was going to fundamentally shift the way uh, companies think about their information technology systems and investments and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and launched, incubated and launched an e-commerce software business uh, as part of that. Uh, After that, uh, I had the privilege of uh, working for a company called Ceridian that is a human resource services company, and uh, they had hired me to help rebrand and restructure the whole company um, as they had acquired many subsidiaries that we're still operating as independent entities, and so um, much of the internal uh, operation of the company was incredibly uh, inefficient and potentially bordering on chaos, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was a, a wonderful pr- opportunity and experience, and after 18 months or so, we, we pulled that off. And then I was attracted by um, WebMD, um, who was based here in Nashville, um, and they had a similar challenge, and they had acquired a bunch of companies, hadn't integrated them, saw what I had done at Ceridian, and invited me down to come and help them do the same thing here, uh, which I did, and in fact, that's how the company MDON, E-M-D-E-O-N, MDON.com was born uh, from a branding point of view. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, after that, I realized, um, through my career, I kind of realized uh, fairly early that in many ways the the large corporate world and and my personality were not a good match um, and so I decided that um, it's it's hard to be a change agent in the corporate world and live by a very strong uh, basis of integrity at the same time uh, and so I decided that it was best for me to go and pursue my own thing where I can help other people be successful. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was almost a calling that I have felt for quite some time. Um, and so for the last uh, nearly four years now, uh, that's what I've been doing, and I'm, I'm really thrilled to be working with companies literally on almost uh, almost every continent and of almost every type and size and stage of development. Um, and uh, it's an absolute thrill for me to be in that position. What a what an interesting journey this has been, from from the barefoot boy in Africa, 
<laughs> to someone who is consulting with companies all over the world in the areas of, of business performance, brand strategy, uh, leadership. There's a, there's a number of different things that you train uh, in terms of your business now. But, you know, I've I've got your website in right. front of me, and you've got a picture of your book, Elephant Walk, and it doesn't look like a business book. I mean, on the surface. Right. Uh, there's a picture of uh, some elephants out there on the uh, African landscape. And uh, one of the things that caught my attention, Patrick, when we were when we were visiting at Lake Tahoe, uh, was this just really unique background that you have? You know, you mentioned something about being a specialist in in guerrilla warfare. Was it? Yes. Uh, as you served in the special forces in the South African Army. Wow. I mean, this is this is kind of an interesting package that you bring to the table. Right. Well, and and in fact, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. That's that is in fact where I had my uh, experience with elephants directly on the ground, and so some of those uh, are amusing stories, and some of them are just fascinating facts mm-hmm. um, that I, and some of which I've incorporated into the book and drawn some interesting analogies. Mm-hmm. So you said it doesn't look like a business book, and, and that was quite intentional because I really wanted to make sure that if I'm delivering a business book. Uh, that it was totally unique, and it drew, drew from the value that I was able to bring, and it was, and it was perceived that way from the minute you see the cover. You know, we we like to tell people mm-hmm. don't judge a book by its cover, but when it comes to books, that's exactly what we do. And mm-hmm. so, if mm-hmm. it, it became clear to me, I better make a good one. Um, and I think what I've noticed is people see the book, and it tends the cover tends to draw them in. They want to pick it up and look at it. Um, mm-hmm. And then they realize there's more to this than they thought, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's been very effective. The other thing I've learned through all that, all that experience, um, and a lot of it came out of, you know, sort of guerrilla warfare principles, but a lot of it just came out of my own uh, survival, learning or training skills, kind of doing it on the job, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, growing up, is I really became a, a student of people and what makes them effective and, and what what gets in their way and prevents them from, from being successful. And I incorporate that into the work that I do with the people that I work with. Um, and that's become quite a key element to me. Um, I, I, every business starts with a, with a person and a leader and an idea. And if mm-hmm. that person and the leader and the idea and, and, and are not sound, um, then the rest of it isn't going to work. And so... It's a whole holistic system that needs to be worked, the person as well as the business. Well, I was kind of joking with you before the show that uh, every business and every business person uh, is actually a person. <laughs> yeah, you know? And as human <laughs> beings, we have some fairly predictable experiences in life. And there are some principles that can determine our success. And as you improve the person... Uh, you improve the leader, you improve the business, you improve the the strategy that's going out there to the marketplace. That's that's exactly right. And uh, so often I work with uh, leaders who are struggling with an issue. And, uh, you know, one thing I I haven't had uh, sort of to worry about in my my life, I suppose, that 
might be a big contributor to some of the successes that I had is I didn't really understand the concept of fear. It didn't mm. occur to me didn't occur to me that when I walk into a room to do a presentation, if I believe in the story and I'm selling something, that I need to be afraid. There was, you know, that that just didn't come into my into my thing. So, um, you know, but I run into that all too often with people who are leaders, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, it, 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 I I then for I therefore don't hesitate at all to tell them. You know, look, you think that the problem you have is a number here or a performance metric somewhere over there or some part of your organization, but I'm here to tell you that the problem you're having is, is your attitude um, and, mm-hmm. and a misalignment between your purpose and how you're behaving. Uh, and when you get that corrected, you're going to suddenly notice everything else falls into alignment mm-hmm. uh, and you become more successful as a leader and... You know, it's just interesting that that exact same pattern will then apply to how you run your company successfully over the long term. That's exactly right. I want to develop that a little bit more as we come back from this first break, especially as fears and limiting beliefs get in our way. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program. From what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, oh, I can really do this. I can read you know, as fast as I let myself read and uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. Thank you for joining me for the Live On Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org, to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free Parental Power Teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events or pick up powerful information products. Feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. So, Patrick, before the break, as you were talking about working with these powerful business leaders or executives or people who who just in the course of their natural human existence, they start to encounter fear. 
and limiting beliefs. Right. Uh, boy, that pushes my buttons, you know, being a psychologist and all. I have found, and, and maybe you can collaborate uh, or corroborate this, I have found that the primary barrier to our success in life is our own self-limiting beliefs and fears. Is that something that you would agree with? Well, I run into that a lot, uh, and so I tend to <clears throat> I tend to agree. And in fact, mm-hmm. um, as I've developed a process for helping people with this exact thing, I created a workshop that I call Empowering Achievers. And what I've found is that it really doesn't matter uh, what your pursuit is in life, whether you're um, you know a powerful business executive or you know I've had stay-at-home moms come through this workshop. Mm-hmm. And, every, and, and people have had sort of major revelations that deep down inside they probably knew they could solve this or they knew what they were dealing with, but this process just helps clar- give them clarity that they've never had before. And in some ways it's giving themselves permission to walk past some barrier that's been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's the first time they're able to articulate it and, and walk past it. But, but I, I agree with you that uh, all too often, there's there's some belief about about what a person thinks they are or or not, mm-hmm. uh, or capable of, or or a tape that's been playing in their head because of something that someone in their family said to them many years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's still there, or something. Sometimes it's just an irrational fear. There's there's no way to explain it, uh, but it's one of those situational things. As I'm about to walk in the door and do a presentation, I freeze and I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. if if I do that, you know, the people sitting in the room, what they're going to see is a nervous wreck walking in the door. Now I have to work very hard to gain their attention. Uh, well, what if I could teach you how to remove that mm-hmm. and walk in there with confidence? So it, a lot of these things seem like very simple things, but they're very profound and they have a, a dramatic impact on people's ability to, uh, to do things and, and to be successful. Well, that's right. And we develop stories, don't we? We develop stories about who we are, uh, what we're able to do as a result of that. You know, I'm thinking about your own story, Patrick, as you grew up in Africa and, you know, you're running around on that uh, less than lush lawn out there playing rugby. Right. And who would have thought that that this kid would grow up to be uh, the person that you are today? And how many of our listeners, how many of you listening right now are thinking, well, you know, I would be successful except for, you know, and then whatever your story is, except for the fact that I grew up in this area, or except for the fact that I I don't have this, or I I do have that. It's all a story. And as as you really start to clarify your vision and become clear about where it is you want to go with your life, with your relationships, with your business, whatever it is, then you can start to plot a course to get there. And uh, this is one thing that um, kind of stuck out for me in your book, Patrick, as you talked about the elephant walk. And maybe you can share with us what that analogy is in terms of aligning with your purpose and and coming to terms with that. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I agree with that analogy, you know, totally. And and it's, it's it's so important to to have the right attitude because even if you know what your purpose is, if your attitude is still being blocked by a belief or a fear, uh, you won't be able to go after that purpose. 
Um, and, and you just have to recognize that whatever has happened to you or whatever you think has, has uh, defined you in the past isn't you, that you are bigger than that and you can move past it because you, because you can't. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was thought that when, the, when the idea came to integrate elephant stories into the book, somebody said to me, well, what's so great about elephants anyway? Mm-hmm. And, in fact, the elephant walk story came out, and it really became kind of the theme, not only for the book, but for the entire practice that surrounds it. So think about it this way. A large herd of elephants will leave a watering hole in the morning. That herd automatically knows that if they stay together, there's not enough food or foliage for them to eat as they move through the bush during that day. They automatically split up into small groups. In the book, I call them pods, kind of like whales, but that's not really the right term. It's just my term for them. They split up into Mm -hmm. small groups, each one headed by a female. Those groups, as they drift and wander through the bush during the day, will separate by as much as 10 miles. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the end of the day, every one of those elephants and every one of those groups will arrive safely at another watering hole 30 to 40 miles away. Now, they never had a single committee meeting. They never had any political backstabbing. They never set out to create a big long route roadmap and GPS and communication systems and checkpoint meetings, mm-hmm. but yet somehow they all figured out exactly where to go and ended up at the right place at the right time. So my mm-hmm. question is, imagine if you could achieve in your business the same alignment with a singular purpose and vision so that people instinctively know what the right decisions are to make in order to move your company to that place? Mm-hmm. What kind of efficiency and productivity could you achieve if you could practice the elephant walk in your company? And that becomes, uh, so to speak, the GPS that's guiding everyone to that same destination. Absolutely. And it all starts with vision, and as you, as you called it, purpose, but it's the same thing. If, you, if you're very clear about your purpose uh, and vision for your company, which is the long-term outcome that you're trying to create. And if you align everything you do in your company with that purpose, then you can achieve this uh, elephant walk mm-hmm. mode of operating. You know, there was another interesting analogy that you drew in the book when you were talking about how one of these pods might some sometimes encounter a threat or a danger. Uh, the lion's at the watering hole. Right. And uh, the others instinctively know to come to their assistance, even if they're separated by miles. Right. It's interesting, uh, the fact that elephants have, have, have been able to communicate with each other for a long time um, is, has only been recently understood by human beings. We, uh, we've discovered that they communicate at a subsonic frequency, and they can communicate you know, as far as 10 miles or maybe even more apart. But what we've learned is they don't only communicate by just sending out a sound to let other elephants know that there's an elephant in, in, in the area. They're able to, in fact, communicate meaning. So the, the story about the, the lions is, in fact, a real observed story where people saw these elephants approach the lions. They ran into trouble. The, they wanted to get to the watering hole. The lions were sitting on the bank 
didn't want to move, and so there's a series of mock charges going back and forth. And as those elephants are communicating their distress, another pod that could be you know, five, six, seven miles away uh, got the message and came in to help. And they come tearing in, of course, then the lions uh, take off. And, uh, you know, again, it, it, uh, it, it, it's just that whole idea of being, being aligned and being part of a community with a single purpose to help each other and get where you're going. Um, mm. you know, to, to me, it was just a powerful, powerful, a powerful analogy. So this purpose, as far as a business is concerned, I think the only reason that a business even exists is to create value for its customers or its clientele. That, and to, yes, and to its shareholders. And you could say some people would argue that the only purpose of a business is to create a profit. Uh, and that's that's nice, but mm-hmm. um, you if you want to inspire your customers and you want to build long-term profitable relationships with those customers, then there has to be some higher value that you're connecting with them, that, that mm-hmm. you want to connect their future with the future that you're promising to create. And that ultimately is what the vision is all about. And that promise, I want to talk about that for just a minute too. The promise is what what your clientele or your customers or your shareholders, whoever your team can expect because of this purpose that your business has. What is it the what is the kind of value I can expect from that? And uh, you talked about a concept called affinity, and I'm seeing that there's some connection with that. What is the uh, what is this concept of affinity? As it relates to a customer experience, yeah, and this this idea came uh, right out of my own experience, uh, mostly in in the business to business world. That's businesses doing business with other business customers, mm-hmm. uh, and the challenge of providing a service that the customer doesn't really see. See, if you drive a car, um, then your experience with the car manufacturer is really. Uh, measured by you by the experience that you have with the car. You, you, you may actually not have any real clue what it's like to work inside that company or how the people are or anything about mm-hmm. their culture or anything else. But every day you touch the car and you hear it and you drive it and you experience it and you draw certain conclusions from it. And that's your experience. In a services world, you don't get that. Uh, most of the time, um, the service is designed to augment or automate some process that helps your business run. And if something doesn't go right, then you experience uh, the company because uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're having sort of like a negative experience with the company because you're only ever hearing from them when things go wrong. So I began to analyze this to say, what is it that we can do to really uh, create a unique, differentiated, and close relationship with our customers? And so I began to mm-hmm. study this problem and realized that you know, it's very typical when people say we need to do a, we need to figure out how to position ourselves and what's our unique differentiation. And the first place they go um, is to study all of their competitors. Mm. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but you shouldn't do that if you want, you know, in order to figure out who you want to be, because right. um, you'll become one of the vendor community, just like everybody else rather than someone who's integrated with your customer environment. So this concept of affinity says, go integrate with your customer environment 
as closely as possible. Make it so that your customer doesn't really know where you know, they begin and you end sort of thing. So that mm-hmm. they, you're, you're, you're a close advisor, a trusted advisor to them, way beyond whatever it is that you provide on a transactional product type basis. And the closer you get to them, speaking their language, showing up where they show up, and so on, mm-hmm. the more likely it is that you're going to develop this affinity with them. Well, so that when, we'll uh, continue that as soon as we get back from this break. We're just up against our break here. Absolutely. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Putting a senior behind the wheel of a car can be a problem for both the senior and the drivers around them. As a person ages, their ability to look over their shoulder at oncoming traffic, respond to complex traffic situations, and see and hear sudden traffic warnings all diminishes. Inspired by using iMotion sensors to research how seniors drive, Thomas Broberg has an idea that may change the overall safety of the world. Using satellite GPS tracking, Broberg has wired a car that can actually aid a driver if they swerve off the road, get too close to traffic lanes, and a number of other potentially dangerous situations. The GPS-driven car can even take over driving if the driver stops responding and bring the vehicle to a safe stop. The car works by receiving instant satellite feeds into its onboard computer guidance system. The computer is connected to several vehicle positioning systems. Thomas Broberg's vision is to make driving not only safe, but once again a fun experience for senior drivers. Congratulations, Mr. Broberg, on your visionary idea. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it. I thought of it a moment. Management is efficiency in climbing the ladder of success. Leadership determines whether the ladder is leaning against the right wall. Stephen R. Covey. Right as we went into that break, you were talking about this concept of affinity, and the picture I was getting in my mind was kind of an integration or a a merging of the services or products that you offer through your business and that person's own life. You know, it becomes part of them. It becomes integrated into how they see themselves, how they how they operate on a day-to-day basis. It it reminds me of the old phrase, a household name. And well, uh, go ahead. In the in the book, I, I use a, there's a wonderful analogy. And when I do when I speak at these conferences, I I always test the mm-hmm. it always proves itself over and over again. Which is the example of Harley Davidson. Oh yes. That you know I stand up at these conferences and I say to people, 
or does there, are there any Harley Davidson owners in the room? And there usually are. And I say, okay, I will, I will replace your Harley Davidson motorcycle for free with a better designed, better performing, more reliable, better, more economical, all of these things, brand new motorcycle from Japan. Mm-hmm. And of course, the first answer is no way. That's right. Uh, and when you boil it down, what that's all about, and, and uh, as a as a as a Japanese motorcycle rider myself, I've seen this and experienced it on the road. What's really happening here is it has very little to do with the machine. It has everything to do with who these people came. Right to your point about who they their own identity. It's who they became when they bought a Harley Davidson. They suddenly joined this this sort of special club called Harley Owners Group, affectionately called Hogs. But when you become a Harley owner, you become part of this group, and it's almost as though your DNA just changed. And so when I come to you and I say, I'll replace your motorcycle with something else. Um, <laughs> it's like I saying, I'll like, replace your arm with something else. Exactly. I'm asking you to give up your identity, and there's no way you're going to do it. Well, imagine if you could achieve that same level of relationship connectivity with your customer in a business environment so that when the competitor walks in the door and says, I can give you the same service for 20% less, and the customer mm-hmm. turns to you and asks you what you think about that, well, guess who's in the driver's seat? It doesn't mean you're not going to have to respond to it in some way, but mm-hmm. uh, you are inside and it's like they're going to have to cut off their arm in order to switch. And, and you know, mm-hmm. you've just bought yourself uh, a very tight and very loyal and very difficult to unhook customer relationship. Mm-hmm. As long as you may, you remain true to that promise. Oh, absolutely. Um, performing, performing consistently with your brand promise and with the experience that you're promising your customer is always the key. The other thing that goes with that that I learned uh, from experience as well is, is that particularly in a business environment, customers have very long memories. And mm-hmm. so if the beginning of the relationship was very bumpy, but you fixed everything, and five years later, it's all going very well. So you think that this would be a good customer to use as a reference for somebody else. So the, 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 the prospect calls up your reference customer and says, well, what do you think of this company? And they say, well, you know, five years ago when we started, they messed up these three things, but everything's okay now. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly the resounding support you were looking for, um, but that's what happens. Customers will measure their perception of a business by their, the sum of all of the experiences that they have had with that business over time. Mm-hmm. That's a very difficult and tall order to live up to, but it's all the more important for you to, to make sure that you set out with the right vision and purpose, know how to align everything you're doing, and stay focused on that forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to a lot of people just in the recent weeks and months who are making some changes in their business. And, of course, changes in our economic environment or out there in the world at large uh, sometimes demand change. I'm thinking of uh, of a book by, um, oh, now I'm blocking on his name, Good to Great, Jim Collins. Who uh, who said that one of the things that you have to do in your business is to to face acknowledge and face the harsh realities, and change is required. I think change is inevitable. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the parts I really enjoyed about your book was the 
was that section on change? Well, in fact, I said there's three things. Everybody talks about death and taxes being the two only certainties in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I added the third one, and it's change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it doesn't matter however complacent or comfortable you get with any situation, watch out. It's going to change. That's right. And so as, 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 just, as, the, just as, uh, as it was written in Good to Great, you know, better that you drive the change than let it be driven for you. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I got a little chuckle, though, I have to admit, on uh, page 128, if anyone's following along. Uh, you had a quote here from W. Edwards Deming. It said, uh, it is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you want to survive, you're going to have to get used to this idea of change. Well, and, you know, and, and what's, what's important about this is that uh, sometimes when I say to people that you need to pick your vision or, or you know, clarify your vision, align everything with it, and sort of relentlessly pursue it, sometimes there's a misunderstanding that, that means you know, people think of what I'm saying is pick your path that you're going to take and, and don't deviate from that path. And that's, nothing is further from the truth. What I'm saying is pick the destination, but you need to be prepared to take many different routes along the way because so many conditions are going to change. And, and the, more, the better focused you are on the destination, the better able you are to navigate around these, these hazards that show up so that, you know, like a speed bump in the road, it, it remains just a speed bump that you go over rather than a wall that stops you from going forward. And there's always a detour Absolutely. that you can take. You know, I had a, a guest a while back on the show who uh, shared a quote that I really enjoyed, and that was, when the horse is dead, get off. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's other modes of transportation, too. Well, but, you know, another analogy that's useful here is, is uh, if you think about the way that a sail ship goes or a sailing boat goes across a lake or an ocean, um, it's driven by wind and current. And, it, it, you know, the, 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 the shortest distance between two points might be a straight line, but the sailboat has to make a series of tacking maneuvers in order to get to the other side of the lake. So at no point until it gets there is it actually going toward, directly towards its destination. And it never knows mm-hmm. along the way exactly what tacking maneuver is going to work the best because conditions change. So mm-hmm. it's that same kind of way of thinking that you have to have around your business. But every one of those mm-hmm. tacking maneuvers is designed to move you that much closer uh, to the, the ultimate destination that you're aiming at. Yes, from the larger perspective, from the right. big picture. And uh, I, change is one of these things that people fear. This is one of those self-limiting beliefs, I think, Patrick, that we talked about earlier. They right. think, well, change represents threat. Right. And in a way it does. I mean, it represents a threat to the status quo, but the status quo isn't going to get you where you're going. Right. But a lot of the change, to, a lot of the change that, that appears to be a threat, I think, is driven by fear, uh, which comes out of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Something is about to change. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I may be going into some new space that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and rather than putting together an effective process for how I make it happen, um, I build up all of this wall of fear. And, um, and mo- most change is... is is, is prevented or, or stopped exactly because of fear like that. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
when you sense that this is coming, and I think there's many of us who can look at our current situation and and see that some change is necessary. Right. Uh, you have a couple of choices, and one of those choices is to just, you know, keep keep doggedly doing exactly what you've been doing, you know, without a full appreciation for the end goal. Because if, you might realize, if you really were honest with yourself, that to continue to ride the dead horse, so to speak, just isn't going to get you there. Right. But because that's what you're familiar with, you stick with it, uh, and and sometimes to your own demise. And I think that's where sometimes one of these limiting beliefs kicks in, which is people will tell themselves that I have no choice. This is this is what mm-hmm. I do. This is what I am. I have no choice. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. You always have a choice. That's right. Uh, and you you know, it's up to you to make the choice and do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, as far if we get back to your idea of the brand yeah. promise, uh, your brand represents something, some kind of value that you're creating for your customers. Right. And that's not the part we want to abandon. Sometimes what, what you have to change is just how you're going to get to it and be willing to listen to the people who are receiving the value. I've I've seen too many times that we get a sense that we know what people are going to value, and then we insist that that's what they value instead of letting them tell us. Yeah, that's uh, that's. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly uh, one of the things I talk about when I talk about this concept of affinity. Is is that the best place to start is to go out to your customer and go hang out with them and ask them what's valuable to them, what's going to be most useful to them. And, and in which way you'd like to deliver it. Uh, you know, if, if, if it's easy for you, but it makes their life harder, it, that's not a good solution. <laughs> uh, no. Not just a good idea because you thought of it. It's a good idea if they are going to appreciate it um, and it's going to add real value to them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's for sure. And creating more problems for our clients is not going to give them any kind of an affinity for, right. for what it is that we're offering them. Well, and that's, a, and that's an interesting point because one of the things I talk about in the book is, is how things can go wrong when you don't, and cost your business money when you don't even necessarily realize that that's happening. Uh, and I, I provide a, a bunch of different examples in there mm-hmm. about things that you may not even think are wrong. And one, one, one of the points that I always make is, let's take customer service as an example. You, you may have a a customer service center with a hotline and people call in. And, and so from the inside, you measure this customer service center from the point of view of how, how fast they answer the phone, how long they're on the phone, how, how, uh, their ability to uh, answer questions the first time, how many times they have to escalate it, how many times the customer calls again, you know, all mm-hmm. of these internal operational things. But if you don't actually measure the customer's experience with that customer service center and how it aligns with the experience that you promised them in the relationship with your company. Then you're missing the boat. Not only missing the boat, Mm. you could be causing major damage you're not even looking at it. We'll be right back with that discussion as we come back from this break. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. 
Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life. Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the parental power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use parental power as kind of like a reference book. So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. I like the variety of of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed. I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day. Let us join your parenting team through parental power. Just send an email to drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site, where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. And we're back for one more segment with my guest, Patrick Smythe. We've been having an interesting discussion today about, well, about a lot of things. Elephants, about branding, about your business. We've been talking about a concept called affinity. And just before this last break, Patrick, we were getting into a little bit of a discussion of what can go wrong sometimes. You were sharing an example of a call center that was measuring all of the wrong things. Well, not necessarily the wrong things. They're 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 good, important things to measure. It's always good to be you know operationally efficient and so on. Uh, but if you're not measuring those things from the point of view of the experience that your customers are having, you may in fact be causing uh, a harm to to their experience and therefore to your reputation and the relationship they believe they have. And it may just totally misalign with the promise. So you may have. Um, just think about this another way. You may have a service force that talks to the customer all the time and then a sales force that talks to the same customer also all of the time. But what if the cultures in those two departments was quite different? Just the personality mm-hmm. and culture, the way they the way they interact with people, the way they experience things. Uh, just in that one simple thing, the customer ends up getting a disjointed experience. 
and they don't know how to relate to the company because they don't really know who's going to show up next. Uh, and there's so many different things like this. That I, I, I use this analogy of uh, sort of aerodynamics in the book. I talk, You can imagine a, a, an egg flying through the air. The air would mm. flow very smoothly over, the, over that egg. And so it, it, there's no disruption. It can, it can flow nice and smoothly without any uh, particular exertion of energy other than you know, whatever caused it to get launched. The minute there's any kind of inconsistency, so it doesn't even need to be an error. The errors are obvious, but it, there could just be an inconsistency. It's similar to like raising a flap into the wind on the side of the egg. Mm. Well, when you raise the flap, it creates turbulence, it creates resistance, and it makes it difficult to uh, keep that egg flying in the same direction and with the same speed. The more things that are inconsistent, the slower it will go. And the more energy it's going to take to overcome those things. Well, in mm -hmm. the business world, that energy is your people and the money that you spend to fix things that should be working properly, but they've just never been designed to work uh, against a common theme and a common vision and a common promise. Um, and so that's a drain on profit. And wouldn't it be far better to make sure that you're aligned with the customer promise and the brand promise that you're making uh, so that all of those things more naturally fit in um, in line and, and generate the, the maximum efficiency and, and forward progress uh, you know, that you want. So just a very simple misalignment in terms of the purpose can can really hit the bottom line in some pretty significant ways. Yes, and, and the problem, too, is, of course, when you have something that's a misalignment like that, you know, you're not going to find, uh, you're not going to find that as an expense item on anybody's mm -mm. Uh, budget or income statement. It's going to, over time, just get built into what people believe is the, the normal cost of running th that business. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, it's sort of a hidden cost, but it's a very real cost. And one that's hard to identify if you're not attuned to this, to this particular concept. Right, right. Mm. So uh, we've got a few minutes left here to uh, to wrap some things up, and I want to, while I still have you here, pick your brain a little bit about what direction can people go if they're finding that they don't really have that alignment that you're talking about, or or even if they're not quite sure of. What is my brand promise? What is it that I that I really do that that uh, creates value for people in this world? Do you have a few suggestions about where they should start? Well, as I uh, as I you know as we've been discussing, um, the the to, to me the right place to start is always to really figure out the, the purpose and vision of your company for mm -hmm. the long term. You know, what is, what is the outcome? What is it that you're promising the customers? What future are you trying to create with this company that um, creates real value for the customers mm -hmm. that you are, that you are um, wanting to, uh, to serve? Uh, everything everything can, can be anchored to that once you have that, that clarity. Uh, once you have that, it becomes really important to identify um, the customer segments that you want to serve, what the unique value propositions are that you offer. You know, in other words, what, what makes your product or service attractive and 
what benefits does it provide to the people in that particular segment, and how does that mm -hmm. support the vision that you have created? And everything else that's operational execution uh, of your company will line up uh, behind that. So, you know, uh, I know there's several people do it. I, I do it as well. I, I run uh, strategic planning workshops for companies. Uh, sometimes they're, they're uh, existing companies who sort of lost their way or, uh, or they've got a major mm -hmm. change going on, or sometimes they're startups um, and they have a, an idea, but they really don't know how to develop it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you take them through a process of getting clarity and uh, aligning the clarity of their vision and, and all of that to a set of long-term objectives that they can really build mm -hmm. uh, their, their business around successfully. So I'd like to comment on this, too, as, as I've gone through this process myself and experienced some of the challenges with actually articulating that purpose. One of the common pitfalls that I see is that people will sometimes launch into a description of how they're going to create value instead of what value is created. Right. And sometimes the client just doesn't care, you know, that you've got all of this cutting-edge technology that you apply in this way or that way. What they want to know when the, when the, at the end of the day, they want to know, how does this make my life better? Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I love the word outcomes, and I'm always coaching people you need to think in terms of outcomes, and, and the first outcome you need to think of is the outcome you're creating for your customer. And, and, and the more you can connect with the outcome you're creating for them, the easier it's going to be for you to articulate your value. You spend mm -hmm. all this time talking about how you're going to do it. Um, technology people in particular, and I have years and years of experience in the technology industry, are deeply enamored with all of the technical attributes mm -hmm. and, you know, design skills and everything else, um, and in the end, you know, most customers don't care. They want to know mm -hmm. what outcome am I going to achieve if I use this product. You uh, know, I've had, I've had a number of experiences with technology companies specifically, because here I, I'm a shrink, right? I'm a right. psychologist who's, I'm fairly tech savvy compared to some of my colleagues, but I don't know the first thing about how to fix a problem if my computer acts up. And I have fired a number of technology companies because they don't speak my language. You yeah. know? And the, the ones I choose to continue to work with will say, look, Doc, here's, here's what's going to happen after we do our thing. And they describe this wonderful experience that I'm going to have. You know. Well, and, 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 and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because um, by observing that and experiencing it myself, I have uh, also created like this program and it started out with a seminar that's designed to help technology and IT people understand exactly how the communication breaks down between them and their business partners and the things they need to do to, to, to rebuild that bridge and to focus on the business outcomes because they really do. They start throwing around uh, technology acronyms and all those kinds of things that, that, that the business person doesn't care about. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so it, it, has, it has spawned a whole program that I'm, that I'm kind of involved with that's focusing on, the, on that exact issue. Mm. 
Well, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes uh, before we wrap up the show, and I really want to point people to what it is that you're doing. You've got a website called Innovation Habitude. Uh, you want to talk about that for a minute and just what's available to our listeners through your site? Sure. Um, just to uh, just to start out with the name, uh, I uh, realized early on that it is all of the attitudes and habits from a leadership point of view that are ultimately um, the difference between success and failure in any business. And so that's where I came up with this concept of habitude, attitudinal habits. Um, okay. Innovation to me, any any positive change is an innovation. I don't care how big it is or how small it is. And so if I can play a role with other companies in making sure they experience positive change with the right leadership attitudes and management practices, then I've made a difference. And so uh, if you see my website, there's uh, one thing I have on there is an ideas button. I write a series of articles that have useful little points on things for people. I just put out one that uh, was called Transparent Communication. Uh, and uh, most, mm. of, most of these articles come directly from uh, some experience or observation with a real customer. Um, mm-hmm. But I provide a series of different services as well. Uh, I mentioned earlier uh, a strategic planning workshop. I uh, also have a workshop that I call Empowering Achievers, which is aimed at individuals or business people, in any individual, whether they're business people or not, uh, which we talked about earlier as well, for helping people to overcome beliefs and fears that are uh, preventing them from, from getting on their way. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the whole strategic planning, brand strategy, um, and, and all of that in terms of getting people aligned, clarifying their vision and purpose, and then aligning their business with that. Uh, to to achieve their goals, uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of uh, small companies in helping them get prepared to raise capital, um, and with larger companies in developing new growth strategies mm-hmm. uh, and and achieving those in an effective way. And of course, right there on the home page, uh, your book Elephant Walk, that's available there. People can just uh, purchase it right on your website. And uh, we will be putting up some links at liveonpurposeradio.com. If you forget the Innovation Habitude uh, site, just go to the liveonpurposeradio.com. We can get you connected directly here to Patrick Smythe and all of the things that he's making available. For, for small business, for large business, anyone who's trying to, to make a difference out there in the world, in the business world, uh, some great products. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today at Live On Purpose Radio. Thank you, Dr. Paul. It's been a privilege. It has been a pleasure and a privilege. We want to encourage all of you guys to go out there and live on purpose. We'll be back with our next episode next week.